This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Tesla Owners Online Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. Um, I know we haven't done one in a little while. We've been a little bit busy with Cybertruck and some other stuff. But hey, we're back in good form just before the uh, holiday season. And I want to say thank you to my two co-hosts who came in here, Eric Camacho and Ian Pavelko. Gentlemen, how are you this evening? Hello, everyone. Bonsoir tout le monde from lovely downtown Costa Mesa. What are you doing in L.A. again? Yes. Can you believe it? I was here like what seems like three days ago. I couldn't. I got home from the Cybertruck event. And it was literally like, by the way, you got to turn around and come back for work. Okay. Twist my arm. Send me back to LA. But I still have that bloody man cold that I had when I was at the Cybertruck event. So anyway, enough said. And my shoulder still hurts. We'll That's talk it. about that later. That's what, I came back from vacation. What do you guys complain about? <laughs> 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 How was your vacation, Eric? You went on a cruise. I did. It was it was fantastic. I recommend it to everyone. I just noticed you weren't on Twitter there very much either. You know, you have a... it's it is great to uh, to get disconnected from things once in a while. Um, yes. You know, the state of things nowadays, regardless of whatever interests you or does not interest you, uh, it's hard to see any bit of news and not just want to pull your hair out, especially this time of the year when the holidays are meant to be. Uh, you know, loving and about family and friends and the giving season. And some people just want to give a blank. So uh, it's it's nice to like have a vacation during the holidays and Thanksgiving uh, and to be able to kind of unwind, disconnect, free yourself. And just it was nothing but a real. I, it, it's been a long time since I've been able to say I had a day where I had nothing to do. And then I had seven days of that. So that was, it was great. Nice. I know what it's like being on a cruise because we have a hard and fast rules. The phones get turned off and they get put into the safe and it's just us time. Mm-hmm. No Twitter, no you? distractions. Trevor yeah, I know it's, it's no I know it's phone? very hard. You know what? There are times where I will take it onto an island or whatever. If I see something interesting, I'll take a picture and send it out. But uh, it's really tough for me to put down. It's just, it's an addiction. I mean, even when you were were on vacation not long ago in Canada, you went to uh, like a lake house resort sort of a thing in Canada. And, uh, you know, you were telling most of us too, like I'm going to be basically incommunicado for the majority of this trip. And you on occasion took a picture of your feet, which, you know, for those who have a foot fetish, congratulations. Uh, but for the rest of us, it's like, all right, he's enjoying a vacation. You, you know, we're we're all allowed once in a while to say, you know what, au revoir, everybody, and we'll see I you later. I just try to let people know so they, they think, like, nothing happened to the guy. Or, like, I mean, he's so... <laughs> I tweet a lot. So, I mean, I saw yeah. Ian wearing a wetsuit not long ago. I mean, how he got that body to look like a beached whale, that's just amazing. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, um, we have lots to talk about, obviously, in our in our absent so to speak but yeah. uh, we're back um some of this news you may have heard of other ones maybe not so much we'll just get into it real quick here before we get into some of the topics we really want to talk about tonight and get to lure uh, viewer and listener questions a little mm-hmm. bit later so the first bit of information in case you've been living under a rock that uh elon has announced that the gigafactory 4 will indeed be built in Germany. Um, Back in November, not too long ago, Elon was uh, in Germany accepting an award from the Golden Steering Awards. And um, I have the I have the clip here, but I I won't I won't run the sound because 
you know, I don't want copyright claims or anything like that. But here's Elon on stage announcing that they were going to build the Gigafactory 4 just outside of Berlin's airport. Um, there have been some people that have been sleuthing around the area and they've discovered where it is. And apparently it's in a forest area. So Tesla has since confirmed that that's the general area where they're going to be building. And um, every tree that they pull up, they will replant. So good on them for doing the right thing. I wouldn't expect anything less from these guys. But uh, yeah, it's certainly happening. Elon did say that uh, he expressed that some of the best cars in the world are made in Germany, which is one of the reasons they're actually doing that. And I also want to say that Oh, oh, I should mention, too, that the, they said they're also going to be creating an engineering and a design center there. So, I mean, there's lots of uh, people to pull from there. And I think, I mean, we've been talking about this on the podcast for some time. We're kind of conjecturing where were they going to actually do this mm -hmm. thing. And we always kind of said Germany seems to be the best place for this. Right. Heavy car culture, um, longstanding German manufacturers. They got, a, you know, dedicated uh, design and engineering and a highly trained workforce. We know that the car industry in Germany has been down for the last couple of years. So the mm -hmm. timing couldn't be better in some ways because if they are going to be in the hole, let's say over the next couple of years, because they did say that they want to build this thing by the end of 2021, I think they said. So I think if anybody's going to be laid off, typically in these other manufacturers, it's always the workforce. It's God forbid if a CEO ever lost his job. But anyways, um, I think a lot of these people will go be knocking on Tesla's door. And uh, they got a large pool of people to be able to pull from. Uh, obviously, it's going to be have some retraining as to how Tesla does this thing. But if they get some good engineers out of the job, out of the deal, um, they'll be able to help them out, I think, with production. Because Tesla's been working really hard on trying to get into mass manufacturing as much as possible. So It's interesting it's taken this long, though, to have a gigafactory in Europe. Uh, when you consider how big Norway is with the EV market, specifically with Tesla. Um, I know China got Gigafactory 3 uh, just not long ago. Um, and we were talking basically weeks ago that it opened up. Um, but for Germany to get this is, is something that um, our, our tip of the cap to the folks at Tesserati, they were one of the first outlets to report that there was a possibility of certain locations within Germany that it might be um, uh, the landing spot. And they pretty much nailed it with that report. So good on them. And, um, you know, it's nice to see they're going to replant plants for the plant they're building out there. Um, I'm just waiting for Ian's face to go. Oh man! No, that's the show title right there. That's you right. Nailed it. First Repl one. <laughs> Replant plants for the plant. Um, hey, we're only five minutes in, but no, I, I, it's 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 good to see that, and I I think that you know when you think of a lot of the engineering uh, experts around the world when it comes to automotive engineering, a fair number of them are in Europe. I mean, a lot of the best engineers even come to the schools here in the U.S. and then go back to from whence they came uh, to go find employment uh, in their native homeland. So. Uh, this is this is nothing but positive uh, news for Tesla and for uh, for those in the area around where the gigafactory will be built, and uh, we'll see how quickly they can get that up. I don't know if it's going to be at the same pace that China was uh, built yeah, with the but um, it would not surprise me if they break ground early next year, and then the factory is nearing completion by the end of 2020 or maybe early 2021, where it opens up. Well, there's a lot of eyeballs on this, so I think once they actually break ground, I mean, it'll it'll spread like wildfire. Sure. Everybody will know. Uh, Tesla's out there and they're pulling trees down, so we know that construction will be starting. So, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, there's like I said, there's a big car culture and lots of engineers and good talent in Germany to be able to pull from mm -hmm. from this. So it, it actually makes complete sense. I think for Europe too, it's important because right now, I mean, they have the uh, factory, call it a loose factory, <laughs> the one in Tilburg. 
in the Netherlands where they import half-built cars. Most A lot of manufacturers do this. This is not mm-hmm. uncommon. And they do it to get around tariffs and import duties. Yeah. Um, so they, they have, there's a certain minimum percentage, and, and it changes depending on the country, where they will build, you know, they'll bring finished bodies in, powertrains or whatever, and do kind of final assembly, and that's how they get around it. I know Audi does that. I think in India quite about, quite often. There's, so there's a lot of countries that have that type of thing. So Tesla's been doing that for the S and the X in uh in the in the netherlands to get around that um and you know having a full factory of course in europe will certainly help with um you know keeping the cost down and stuff so hopefully those some of those cars in the future hopefully will be uh, obviously a little bit cheaper for some of the people in europe to be able to buy Mm -hmm. good all right um in case you hadn't noticed a lot of people have been getting software updates on their cars the current uh, software release that just went out is 36.2.2 um, unfortunately, it doesn't include all the latest stuff that people were looking for, namely automatic wiper improvements, automatic lane change improvements. Um, that was supposed to be rolled out um, as part of 40.1, if I remember correctly, but it seems to have stalled, according to the Teslafy uh, firmware tracker that we use. Um, I just got wind that 40.2 is currently being rolled out to very early access program people. Uh, They're doing a quick test, and they hope to have that rolled out within about the next week. So a lot of the features that we're doing in the last update have been rolled into this, plus a couple of extra things. I'll just mention two of the things that are going into this, and I'll mention the other things um, that are coming. So automatic wiper improvements. This is the deep rain neural network that Tesla's been training for some time. It's supposed to make the, um, well, I'll just read from the release notes here. Automatic wipers have been improved to be more likely to activate when it's lightly raining and respond to changes in uh, rain intensity for more environments. The automatic wipers are now employing the first production of deep neural network trained with over 1 million images for detection of water droplets on a windshield and additional weather cues. Hmm. So that's what's coming. I know there's been a lot of controversy over the fact that Tesla has not been including um, rain sensors, dedicated rain sensors, mm-hmm. since the advent oh. of Autopilot 2 cars. And, of course, when they did that, most of the people that had Autopilot 2 cars didn't have any kind of rain sensing for, like, the longest time. A lot of that ties into when Tesla switched over to the Autopilot 2 computers, they didn't have the software ready. So there was almost, like, a year people didn't have rain sensing wipers. Um it's a cheap part to put in, but Tesla seems to have thought, and, and you know, a lot of people are scratching their heads like, why would they do that? It's such a cheap part to put in. But at the end of the day, if you really think about it, by training their neural network to do the work instead of a rain sensor, they'll be able to, to have a wider breadth of things to be able to pull from. So rather than just looking at water diffraction, they can, they can look at a snow, they can look at uh, dirt on the windshield. I, I mean, the possibilities are really endless. So... Anyways, Elon had said uh, some time ago that they were training for this, so that's one of the things that's getting rolled in. Automatic lane changes improvements as well, so they're saying automatic lane changes have been tuned to make lane changes with more confidence. With the adjacent lane, uh, when the adjacent lane is detected to be open, automatic lane changes will initiate faster and be more assertive. Now, the limited people that did get this update did report, and there's there's a few videos out there, um, that it is significantly better. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. Um Two more, three more things. No, two more things, and then the other thing. <laughs> okay. Um, this update will also unlock 170 kilowatt charging for the standard range and the standard range plus Model 3s. Nice. And it will also open 200 kilowatt charging for the medium range Model 3s. That's the forgotten car, so to speak, the one that was in the middle. 
Um, of course, all the long range and the performance cars are currently support 250. Oh, by the way, the first or second V3 chargers that uh, just opened in Ontario. So North Bay and Sault Ste. Marie. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. So those are V3s. Kind of a long way to go to test that out. But hey, uh, the Trans Canada looks like it's starting to get filled in. I don't think it's going to be ready by the end of this year. Maybe a few more months, but uh, certainly happening. Anyways, uh, let's see here. All right, so there is one extra feature that has been added to the 40.2 release when it comes out, and this was a source of mine that gave me this. There's going to be a new feature. They say that there's going to be a white camera icon. I, I, I don't know if this is an additional. I have to clarify here because I wasn't given all of the details. I don't know if it's additional camera icon or it's embedded into the current camera icon that's already on your dash cam. But anyways, they say a white camera icon in the status bar when tapped will send a snapshot uh, tied to the VIN number uh, to help the autopilot team sort through any issues. So if you have an autopilot situation, you'll be able to tap on that. And provided there's connectivity, Wi-Fi or otherwise, that uh, it will send a clip. Now, how many clips, how many cameras? I don't know. But that will be sent to uh, Tesla's engineering, autopilot engineering team to uh, look at that. There is not going to be any user-facing feedback, so it won't say successful, thank you, won't say anything. It'll just be sent. Um, I'm also told that the autopilot team will be rate-limiting these clips going to, so by per VIN number, so you won't be able to press it repeatedly. Uh, they're looking for edge cases for this kind of stuff. So disengagements count as something that gets sent to Tesla. And then now they're adding another one where you'll be able to actually initiate it yourself. So that's all the details I have now. I don't have any other information. So don't ask how many questions, like how many cameras are done. I, I don't have any of that information. So that's what's happening in 40.2. So again, there's a small release to a subset of customers as they typically do. They check for edge cases. Once that's okay, then they do a wide uh, roll out. Yes, Eric, go ahead. Hi. So uh, I, I have a, a question. Um, how many cameras are going to be? Uh, I'm kidding. No, I, I do. I do want to give one feedback going back to the very beginning of this when it came to the neural net versus the rain sensor conversation. Yes. Um, my thinking is the, a good reason for them looking at the neural net uh, option is they're already reviewing every possible camera angle for autopilot to teach the system how to acknowledge when there's distortion in the cameras, when objects are on the road, that sort of thing. It only makes sense that rain on your windshield would affect the rain on some of the cameras that then helps the, the computer learn what objects are when the view has been obstructed in some way or, you know, when the image has been refracted or what have you. Um, so I've had cars that had rain sensors that sometimes didn't work because the rain wasn't heavy enough. Um, so to teach this more is optical because we know as humans, if we're sitting behind a car and there's water on the windshield, we know I have to turn on the wipers. So why not teach the computer to do the same thing optically as opposed to by feelings? Um, that's just my two cents. I, I just think it's ingenious by them to do that because they're like, we're already looking at images for autopilot. Why not do that for uh, another part of the car? We're currently dealing with some winter environments, so right now there's a lot of salt on the roads, and that gets on my cameras, and uh, I just got back from Ottawa this past weekend, and I couldn't do any lane changes on autopilot, because no. the cameras said, mm-mm, mm-mm, so every time I'd stop for a supercharge, which was only once, by the way, mm -hmm. by the way, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to take a moment here. <laughs> I know, I know, I know where me. this is going. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, you'll have to permit me. 
Um, most of you know that I sold my Model X. I love that car. It was a great car. You what? Yeah. And I bought a Performance Model 3. And I have to say, um, the reduction in supercharging that I have to do to get anywhere is wonderful. Yep. <laughs> For me to go to Ottawa or Montreal in my Model X, as nice as a car as it was, even though the ride quality is nicer, it's a quieter car, you sit higher up off the road, the superchargers are, I mean, as fast as they were, even though it's older battery tech than the Model 3. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been a three supercharging stop for me. And the last one would have been extra long because the distance between Kingston and Montreal is fairly large on a car that uses a lot of energy. that has a 75 kilowatt hour battery pack. Um, that would have been a, f- you know, 35 to 40 minute charge just to be able to make that stretch. Anyways, so in the Model 3, it's literally one stop in Kingston. So, and Ian knows because he's done it many times. <laughs> yeah, I barely so, have time to eat on that stop, man. I have to run. I know, run, it's amazing. Run so for that, it's, it's, it's lovely, lovely, lovely. And I love... And the then you run again for that. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so, yeah, having said that, Ian, did you want to say anything about the, the, the autopilot situation? You, you just, yeah, no, you, you both covered it well. The only thing I, I want to say is, yes, uh, I'm extraordinarily thrilled, one, because, frankly, up until this moment, the auto, the, uh, the rain sensing has sucked. I'm sorry. I'd, I'd like to be charitable about it. I can't. It, it just, it's, I've never yeah, seen it, it worked satisfactorily for any period of time. Uh, and the other thing is, as you point out, Trev, for those of us who have winter conditions, um, yeah, the, the camera's abilities to see through any kind of distortion on the lenses uh, is, is severely wanting. I mean, you lose, it takes very little to lose lane change capability. And for those of us who bought FSD, I'm really scratching my head thinking, how many yeah. months out of the year am I going to be able to use this? But I think I see where this is going. So as the system gets more intelligent, and exactly the way Eric phrased it, it's like its ability to be able to look at distortions and see through them as a human eye would be able to compensate. Obviously, that's where it's going. So it gives me great hope that you know, we're going to we're going to see huge improvements both with the wipers and with the ability to see and in, in, in implement conditions on, on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was added to a recent software update, not this one, but the one just prior, of course, was they unlocked some more performance on the Model 3. So it's now, according to Brooks on his uh, Drag Times channel, it's a sub three second car of course conditions have to be right charging level has to be right and stuff um of course it's winter months right now so i don't dare (laughs) stomp on this car um mainly because the roads are so bad and traction's crap because they're wet all the time and i don't have sticky tires right now i have winter tires so hey i mean if you're in australia it's summertime so knock yourself out have at it uh it's also like 60 some odd degrees here in florida so i mean you have you have your winter we're we're good for you eric it's it's all good, man. I just came back from a relaxing cruise. Temperatures were in the upper seventies, low eighties. You guys were dealing with like snowstorms. Hey, man, six six weeks to go. Six weeks and counting. Six, yeah, seven I know, weeks. I know. Trust me, every day my wife is like, "When are we going to Florida? When are we going to Florida? I can't wait to go to Florida." Is it really six yeah. weeks? Mm-hmm. Or is it? Yes, no, it's gonna be a little more than that because I'm running Disney mid-January, and that's about six weeks. Call away. it, call it seven. I think. All right. About the same time I waited for my Model 3. I know what seven weeks is all about. Trust me. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, there was a big milestone. Uh, Hans-Jörg Geminen. And I hope I pronounced his name right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, let me see if I got this right. 
What a journey on Twitter, he says. One million electric kilometers driven in my Tesla Model S. That's 625,000 miles for those of you not on the metric system. This is crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I always have to rub it in. Um, now, he goes on to say in an article, and unfortunately I don't have the link here in front of me, but uh, if I do, I'll put it in the show notes. Anyways, um, that car is a 2013 Model S. Uh, he's on his second battery pack. Now, in all fairness, the second battery pack is in excess of 500,000 kilometers on the car. So it's um, early Model 3s had problems with some of the early batteries. I think it was the Apex, uh, and they have different generations. The Apex had some issues. They've, they've replaced a few of those. Um, and he says, now my notes say four motors, but I do believe it's three. Uh, again, early Model S's 2012, 2013 suffered from uh, drive motor failures. And Tesla's always replaced those, never been an issue and stuff. And since they fixed it, they've never had any more issues. Mm -hmm. So other than that, we don't know what else has gone on with the car. But hey, how many gas cars do you know that's done a million kilometers? Seven. <laughs> I've seen a couple of Volkswagen TDIs, some Priuses, you know. My, listen, it, you know. my wife's 1999 diesel TSI that we sold two cars ago, uh, we put 420,000 kilometers on that car. Yeah, I uh, now, it was starting to cost us a lot of money though because it was starting to. I yeah. saw a Volkswagen car go over a million miles. But so. I'm just talking about oh, yeah. regular everyday cars. I of mean, course. other than taxis, buses, that type of thing. I mean, it's you know not uncommon to get high mileage on those things. But anyways, awesome for very to see a Model S. Very impressive. Very awesome to see a Model S. And uh, he's still driving. He's still going great. I will. Um, I will say though that there are probably going to be Model Threes that will eclipse that number faster than the Model S had done it. I have a friend of mine, and Rob, if you're listening, you know who you are. Um, this guy's crazy. I think he's probably. I have to check with him. He probably has 150,000 kilometers on his Model Three already. How long has he had it? Uh, 15 months, 16 months. Yeah. He drives a lot. He had it since uh, well September, uh, summer of last year. I mean, our friend Rafael drives a he lot. Did. He's been with two West Coast trips, I think, within a matter of months. That's that's true. Yeah. Um, well, he does a lot of Uber and stuff, but uh, sure. anyways, yeah. So and he's reported zero problems with his car, so mm -hmm. so it's shaping up nicely. Ah, uh, next article. Good friends at Tesla Roddy. Look at this, and this is right up my alley. Of course, we're going to start getting into Cybertruck territory here of our discussion. Um. Someone and a very creative Lego builder, very dear to my heart. You probably can't see her behind me. I'm a big Lego fan. We can't see her. I didn't figure that out. Anyways, this guy built a Lego Cybertruck literally within, I think, two days of the car being um, announced. Oh, go away. Uh, yes, Tesla Roddy, I'd like to sign up for your thing, but not today. Um, <laughs> Look at it. It's gorgeous. Anyway, so he submitted it, or other people have submitted it, um, to Lego Ideas. Now, Lego Ideas is a site where you can um, submit your Lego ideas. And I lost my camera here for some reason. What's going on here? There we go. We come back. Okay, sorry about that. Um, where people can vote on a uh, project, and uh, if it gets enough votes, it goes to secondary review, and eventually it might get made into a kit. Uh, I have two of those kits. Uh, I have a Lego Saturn V and the... Bugatti? No, I no, I'm thinking about the Lunar Lander, but that was an official kit that wasn't. Anyways, so it does happen. Mm -hmm. um, so, anyways, I think it's a beautiful kit. I'm I I would buy the, the instructions and make this thing. Um, of course, there have been several um, 
uh, 3D printable versions of the Cybertruck showing up on Thingiverse and some other sites too. So I might get around. There was also an that. AR version that uh, a guy yes. created. It's on yeah. a on an app. Uh, it's a paid app, but still, like he spent a lot of time. Working. That his work on that app is incredible. I'm yep. letting effects just unbelievably well. Yeah, yeah. The um, the AR stuff that's possible in iOS is just truly mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. And of course, it wouldn't be Lego with them them trolling because they sent out. A little tweet here from the Lego group. It says, the evolution of the truck is here. Guaranteed <laughs> shared or proof. Uh, yes, Lego. They have a good sense of humor. So anyways. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. If I can get my hands on uh, on one of these things, it's going to go on my shelf here behind me. So mm -hmm. anyways, pretty cool. I hope it uh, I hope it uh, works out for them. And uh, like I said, if you want to support the thing, hey, it doesn't cost you anything. I'll put a link down in the uh, podcast in the video description. You guys can go click on it and see if we can make this into an official thing. Okay. All right. Model Y, the poor, the poor little cousin, doesn't get much love these days because it's all about Cybertruck these days. But our good friends at Tesserati published an article, Could the Model Y Be Coming Sooner? Now, there's been a report um, that's been going around by the Taiwan Economic Daily saying that Tesla has asked some of their suppliers to actually start producing parts in numbers, in, you know, in volume, by the end of this quarter. So... It looks that there is a possibility that uh, the Model Y will be ahead of schedule even more than what Tesla had said because they said they were pulling it from the end of 2020 now to the summer. So um, there are some reports going around that they could start production as early as Q1. Deliveries could actually start as early as Q1. Um, Model Ys are con almost continuously, almost a daily basis being seen. Uh, down in the Silicon Valley area. So these are pre-production cars, production candidate cars, whatever you want to call them, being driven around. So I think it's pretty exciting. Unfortunately, like I said, Cybertruck's getting all the love right now, and Model Y is the, actually the next product that people are really looking forward to. So I don't know. Any thoughts on this, guys? I mean, it's, I think it's pretty exciting. I mean, to be able to get this thing in production so it fast. Almost, it almost feels like, in terms of the leaks that are coming out, the same things that happened with Model 3. Um, so it's not surprising the pace that Tesla's going with this, if in fact it is largely the same thing as the Model 3 anyway, in terms of uh, parts and accessories and that sort of thing. Um, I, I think that if it were to come out early, it shouldn't be that surprising, because I'd rather Tesla uh, think long-term than short-term when it comes to these vehicle releases moving forward. You know, if, if they're very general with, you know, we think Cybertruck will be released in X year, we think the Semi this, and, you know, if they're, if they're really aren't as aggressive in terms of their numbers and then in reality they're coming out sooner then that's good it's better to um you know under promise and over deliver as we've often said in the show um but but that being said i think that the the model y will end up becoming uh probably the best selling vehicle that tesla's ever had even more so than the Model yeah. 3. Um, and, and yeah. you know, it would behoove them to get it on the market as soon as they can because I think the demand is there for this sort of, uh, this type and size of vehicle uh, in their class. And um, it could prove to be a major game changer uh, in that sector too. We're thinking about what Cybertruck's going to do for the truck sector. The Model Y could also really change uh, the way we're looking at electric vehicles in the mid-size SUV market. So, um, yeah, if, if it's if it comes out, you know, by summer of next year, it's I, I don't I wouldn't be that surprised. It would not surprise me. Yeah, it'll be out. Yeah, it'll be out. Um, I mean, they could start deliveries. Oh, 
you know, and I hate to speculate because it's just you look Wait, like a fool, but hey, why not? Right? <laughs> Wait, end of Q1 would not be fine for the initial March. small numbers, yeah. But but hasn't that been reported? I mean, that's kind of expected to talk now that limited, you know, production is going to start uh, in, in spring. And then we're going to be seeing like, you know, full production numbers by midsummer. This, this seems to be no longer conjecture. But I mean, but but production and deliveries are two different things. I mean, you can certainly do small production numbers, um, you know, like they they did for Model Three at first. You just see a, a huge parking lot full of Model Threes, but they weren't being delivered anywhere. They weren't taken to a lot, um, you know. And and we've seen now a number of different variants on the roads that people have been photographing and, and spy shots. But in terms of in terms of deliveries, that's really where you know the icing's on the cake for them. Um, so, you know, the proof in the pudding, whatever idiom you want to use. So I, I think, I think it's, it's good that they're, they're now moving at this pace. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't see like a hundred VINs come out early, uh, in leaks in say February, beginning of March, and then deliveries start happening some weeks later. Um, but they, they may, they may have learned from model three in terms of the production ramp up and, uh, you know, if if there are some things here, they'll probably do something very similar with small batches at first and then kind of go from there. But they may easily build 10,000 cars, have them sit in various lots and then just start doing deliveries little by little to see how they test out uh, in production. Two things I want to mention. First of all, the Gigafactory in China right now is actually producing cars. They're starting to ramp up, but they haven't released, they haven't received their sales license yet. So they're actually stockpiling cars right now. Mm-hmm. So there are some videos like Jay in Shanghai, who has a, a Twitter account. You can follow him. Uh, they're doing drone shots on a regular basis. And there, there are cars in that parking lot that they're actually stockpiling. So they should get their sales license imminently because there have been other reports that in uh, China that they are starting to contact um, early reservation holders in China and saying prepare for delivery. So it's almost imminent for that. Yeah. Second of all, remember that there is going to be a founder's edition of the Model Y. These are the ones that they're going to be making for the for the for the um, for the raffle or whatever it is for the uh, what was it the referral program for, the, mm-hmm. for those people. Now, how many are they going to make? Principa. But um, that's that's a first for them because they never made a uh, Model Three was the first car they didn't do a. Um, sorry, your phone is distracting me. Um, <laughs> the Model Three was the first car that they built that didn't have a Founder's Edition. I'm talking modern times there since the Model S. So, um, yeah. So yeah, it's looking good for Model Y. Unfortunately, like I said, it's not getting a lot of love. But that car is going to do gangbusters. Uh, obviously, once it's on the road and people take deliveries, of and course. Stuff, you know I mean, the, yeah. you know the the. You know, all the attention on the Cybertruck will die down because that's yeah. still two years away. But yeah. hey, we're here today. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the Cybertruck. Um, so, um, Ian and I were very fortunate. We got a chance to go down. Eric obviously was on a vacation, but he will have his thoughts on that. Um, if you will indulge me, just for like two minutes, I want to tell my story. <laughs> um, yeah, um, the great, the great cyber to, panic of 2019. Yes, let's call it that—the great cyber panic. That's a about the good thing. All right, so here's here's the deal, and I'm gonna try and make it the Reader's Digest version as much as I can. Um, Check out the popcorn. Yeah. Probably. Oh yes. Oh yes. I now I promised everyone in the video that I did that I would talk about my ordeal about getting down to the reveal event because it was very much an ordeal. I Please think tell us how this the, came to passport. So, all right, oh. several things Several things went down. So first of all, I started packing the night before. I had my flights. I had my hotel all booked. Everything was good. Um, um, thank you for Brad for making me his plus one because obviously I didn't get my own 
I don't know what happened there. I didn't get my own um, invite to the event, although I'm going to fix that for next time. Anyways, so thank you, Brad, for making me the plus one. So anyways, everything was lined up, and I started packing, and um, I started looking for my passport because as a Canadian, I have to cross the border. I need a passport when you fly. Uh, Nexus, I don't have a Nexus card. I don't have an enhanced driver's license. You need a passport. Couldn't find it. And I tore the house apart. Went from one end to the other. My wife and I spent probably the better part of four hours tearing the house apart looking for my passport. So now, like, full panic is starting to, to set in. So I call the passport office and I say, um, uh, what, what do I do? And they say, well, um, you better get down here with new paperwork and uh, we might be able to rush something for you. So I said, fine. Hung up. Went to my local Walmart. Got some new pictures done. Because, you know, you need pictures. Raced down there, held my paperwork, and then they looked at my paperwork and they said, oh, you didn't fill out your paperwork. I thought it was a renewal. They said, no, you have to apply all over again for a new passport because yours is lost or misplaced, whatever. So you have to declare it as lost, which means you have to reapply all over again. So here I am and panicking. So they say, well, look, go downstairs. Oh, to make things even worse, (laughs) here's the other thing. Now, I'm born in Quebec, and... I don't have my original birth certificate. I had it at one time. I don't have any more. The last thing I had was a photocopy. That's all I had. I took it with me. They looked at it and they says, we can't accept this because it's a photocopy. You need an original. I said, how do I get an original? Well, you have to go downstairs and use one of the computers and you have to apply for it. Here's what you can do. Apply for it. Take a photocopy of the thing. Go across the street. Send it registered mail. Keep the receipt. Come back and show us and stuff and we'll accept that. Okay, fine. I do all that stuff. Come back. By then, I mean, the passport office closes at 4 p.m. It's now 3.30. And uh, they look at my my my, uh, my paperwork and they say, oh, don't forget, you need a guarantor. Sorry, it was about 3 o'clock. They need a guarantor. I said, what? So anyways, I call my wife because we live half an hour away from the post office or from the passport office. I said, get your butt down here. I need you to sign this. So she comes down. She gets in the car. She has to sign the back of my my photographs and my guarantor paperwork. And then I have to give them three references. Ian is one of them. So they call him. They call this person. They call the other person. Everything is good. And then I finally, finally give them all the paperwork. And they take a look at it and they say, oh, your wife's signature is different. <laughs> on the, on the, and so now they're, now they're accusing me. I'm sorry, but they're accusing me of falsifying her signature on my paperwork. Like, I would never do that because that's a felony. You just can't do that. So anyways, they get her on the phone and they say, did you authorize your husband to sign this paperwork? She goes, no, I'm sitting in my car. It was rushed. I signed one of the documents on my steering wheel and the other one on the dash. What do you want me to do? I'm downstairs. You want me to come upstairs? No, 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 no. Anyways, make a long story short. They come back and they say, they look at me and they says, well, it's closing at four o'clock. We can't help you right now because you don't have an actual photocopy of the receipt of your paperwork. I did take a picture of it, but that was not good enough for them. I said, this is a modern age. I can email it to you. They said, no, we're not equipped for that. I said, you got all these computers. No, no, we can't. They said, well, come back tomorrow morning at 8.30, and then we can probably process your stuff. I said, my flight's at 8 o'clock in the morning. They said, well, sorry. So at that point, I went home all dejected, and I said, you know what? I can't make the event. So I went online, and I uh, thought about it, and I canceled my flights, canceled my hotel, and I slept on it. And the next morning, I woke up, and I said, well, hell, I'm not going, but... My bags are still packed. I'll throw them in the car. I'll go down to the passport office because, hell, I need a new passport anyways. I might as well apply for the paperwork. 
So I get down there. And meanwhile, I'd been spamming you with all the possible flights that you could get. Yes, that's true. Ian has been working <laughs> working diligently behind the scenes to try and facilitate flights for me, uh, try to uh, see if there was any way at the border crossing that could you know, let me in without a passport and everything. This is Anyways. the Farmer's Almanac version of your story, not Reader's I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting <laughs> no, to no, the end here. Believe me. In no, I know. I, I know the whole story. I'm just saying this is not a so, short story. So anyways, I get down to the passport office, 8.30 on the dot, and I show them all my paperwork, and they go, okay, here's your number. Now I have to go into a separate room. Now you have to wait for an official officer to look at your paperwork. They look at all my paperwork, and I'm and like, I'm still panicking here at this point. And I said, is there anything you can do? Anyways, make a long story short, props to the Canadian government. They process my paperwork at from Canada, 8.30 in the morning. Canada. Canada. Less than three hours later, I had a brand new passport in my hands. I rush downstairs. I get in my car. I call Ian. He calls me like, what can you get for flights? Here I am thinking I'm going to rush across the border down to Buffalo and grab the first flight because I had something lined up for one thirty in the afternoon. And I looked at my time. I said, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to cross the border and get down there. So I just rushed down to the Toronto airport. <laughs> I'm like running up to the Ian, first counter. Ian said, is sitting inside the Toronto airport on the phone, like, you know, scanning for flights. Like, Come I on, go to the, like, I go to American airlines. I go to whatever I say, what is the first flight that gets me to the, you know, to, to LA, you know, by this time. And they said, Oh, it's this one. I said, I don't care. It's just a one way ticket. Buy it. You know, credit card. I'm on the flight. Everything's cool. Now, of course, <clears throat> now you may or may not know this, but I've been suffering from some shoulder pain for the last month and a bit. And I went to the doctors, and uh, I got my results back after I got back from the Cybertruck event. And it turns out it's some bone degeneration and some arthritis um, that's impinging on my shoulder. Although I think it's probably bursitis and maybe a little bit of uh, arth- or, uh, tendonitis, but that's a story for another day. Anyways, that flared up. It was pretty good for a few days, and that flared up because of the stress. I'll tell you, just like this. So when he was, I'm in pain all the way down. Now I should mention this, and you might want to plug your ears, some of you men out there, and I'm going to reveal something I don't talk about very much. <laughs> this is Thursday. I had a vasectomy on Monday. <laughs> so so I'm stressed <laughs> out. I don't have my passport. I had a vasectomy on Monday. My shoulder's killing me. I, anyways, I literally, the plane literally touches down in LA, local time at 7.30. They're already letting people into the Cybertruck event at 7.30. I get off the plane. Like, I'm literally shoving people out of the way. Run down, grab the first cab. Where did Eric go? Anyways, I grab the first cab, <laughs> rush down. I say to the guy, here's like 40 bucks. Get me there, like as fast as you can. I get out of the airport. I get out of the cab. I run up to the front door. Scan my pass. I run into the office, and the Cybertruck is already on the stage. I literally missed about the first three minutes. So the rest of that night was just like a whirlwind. I am like I'm sleep deprived because I only slept one hour that night before. So because of all the stress and everything else. Anyways, we had a lot of fun. Everything is great. I get back home, <laughs> and uh, I start unpacking. And I go to my desk, which I'm standing at right now, and I go underneath my desk. And, of course, everybody's on Twitter, and they're telling me, you're going to find your passport when you get home. It's going to be in the least likely place. Well, look under my desk, and I have a recycle bin there, and there's another backpack beside the recycle bin. And I just went, you got to be kidding me. I pull it out. That's what she said. And there's my passport. Hey, right. that's my news. story. You found it. <laughs> I found it. 
But the, here's the problem. This is now null and void. I have to surrender this because losing a passport, as far as the Canadian uh, government's concerned, is, is very bad juju. And if you lose more than one of them, you get on the bad list. So I have to surrender it, and they will take that off of my uh, account and stuff. So anyways, my passport that I got now, the emergency one, is only good for two years. This one I renewed in 2015 for 10 years. And I cannot do a renewal. I have to apply all over again for the next one. Hey, at least you know so, what to do next time. Anyways, the moral of the story is um, make sure that when you get home and you have your passport, always, always, always put it in the same place. And we always do. We have a special place where we put our passports. Except Maybe. when you didn't. Except this one time. And the you last liar. time I used my passport it was the Model Y event. Yep. That's my story. All right. Let's talk about Cybertruck. Anyways, that's my story. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Appreciate it, everybody. I told you it was a sordid affair. I laid it all out. There you go. That's well, you've, the also, story. you've also been carrying this load of a story for how long now? I, I knew it was going to make it really good. I just didn't know if I was going to do a video, but I think it's better so to have an I, audience I'm here for in you the, guys. In the, because this is full disclosure, uh, the three of us tend to talk offline quite often about stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it's not even Tesla related. It's just guys talking about all kinds of stuff, uh, being idiots. And um, when when Trevor first texted Ian and me that this was actually going on, um, you know, our we had that heart sinking feeling the way that any rational person does is like, oh, my God, that's that's just terrible. And we're trying to, like, give him advice. But, of course, how how helpful can it really be? We're not there to help him look for it. Like, if I could go knock on his door and like. <laughs> I will be another set of eyes. I, Let me go I appreciate that. We um we were even making uh, fun suggestions like maybe it's in the knife drawer. Maybe Nutmeg has it. I mean, it's <laughs> it was just a number of different random suggestions. And I said, think about it's not where you think it is. It's going to always be where you end up not thinking it is. So as it were, it was in a place you didn't think it would be. Um, why I was behind a recycle bin under your desk, I don't know. Uh, maybe you felt I don't like know either. My thinking is maybe you wanted to reuse your password and you figured, I'll put it by the recycle bin. That's where I reuse things. Well, one of the first places I looked was a backpack because when I went to the cyber or the Model Y event, I just took a, a roll-on, carry-on, yeah. and a backpack to put my camera gear in. The problem is, is I looked at the wrong backpack and that we keep all of our backpacks in one place of the house. And this is, this one for some reason ended up under my desk. And yeah, and... So there you go. Anyways, I don't want to talk about the passport. Blame Canada. It's over in the past. No, but you know what? I have, like I said, I have to give the props to the Canadian government. They you, rushed it. You could it's, not this do is unheard that in of. the U.S. You couldn't do that in the U.S. I, I don't know about that, but no these way. guys, yeah, they did me a solid. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. So we have to talk about the Cybertruck one more time because it's still the talk of the town. Okay. Um, things have settled down a little bit. I did do a video uh, this past weekend uh, on my thoughts because it's one of those products I think that really needs to kind of settle in so you really get the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And I know that the looks are very controversial. I think everybody agrees that the pricing and the specs are generally bang on. Um, but the looks are starting to come around for a lot of people. I know not everybody, but... 
I think you have to remember, and I want Ian's opinion on this, and Eric, I want you to chime in here too, but the looks are secondary. The looks are a side effect of how they want to build this thing. It's not like, well, we're going to make this thing look like a spaceship. That's not the point. I think what happened here is that when Tesla was doing the whiteboard of the model of the Cybertruck, um, they listed all the features they wanted. Again, safety is very important too. There's no um, doubt in my mind that this car will get a five-star category rating and everything because that's just the way Tesla does things. So if a lot of you are asking online, yeah, don't worry about that. It'll happen. But I think in this case, they wanted to come to market with something that was tougher than all the other trucks. I mean, if you look at truck advertising, they talk, we're tough, Ram tough, Ford tough, right? It can tow cargo capacity. So two, two of those three things are there. But the tough part is where I think the Cybertruck really beats all the other trucks in the market. The fact that they're actually building the exoskeleton and putting the actual structure elements on the outside of the truck rather than the inside is going to make this a killer truck for people that beat the living crap out of these things. So, Ian, I want your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I talked, I think, at length and when we shot the episode outside SpaceX, but just to, to summarize, um, that's exactly it. I've been repeating it over and over again on Twitter and in other venues. You cannot look at that design as being the the it's not designed to look like that the the design is an outcome of how they built it that's that's really really important to understand that <clears throat> the other thing that i want to add to is stop posting all of these different renders with sections of the bed cut out like the rear <laughs> yeah. buttresses and the stuff stop 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 they're not changing it. It's just going to look this way. You can't. The thing is a rolling box girder bridge, okay? If you cut away any part of that exterior structure, you're, you're dramatically uh, affecting the rigidity of it and its, its ability to carry load and put up with stress. So it has to have that pyramidal shape in order to work. I do appreciate the fact that people are doing their own renders in the sense, oh, I want to customize, I want to do this and do that. That's, That's fine. fine. Yeah, yeah, add, add, you know, that. put surfboards on it, you know, jack it up with the big <laughs> nasty tires, all that. That's cool. I have no problem with that. There's some nice ones out there. But this is like, oh, if they just cut away that little part of the bed and make it look a little bit no, 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 it's no, not no. happening. That is yeah. that that is not happening. I mean, personally, as far as the looks go, um, I was completely freaked out for about the first five ten minutes, just going, that can't be real. You and everybody else. Yeah, uh, but but I, I went through the cycle very quickly, and I'm going to give uh, Ryan McCaffrey a lot of credit for that. I think he was the first one to come out with, what did he call it in, in his latest episode? He called it the, the Cybertruck cycle or something like that, where you go from, yeah. like, shock to denial it's, to... It's, it's, it's like, a, it's like, de- like some, when somebody dies, right? Shock, denial, acceptance. Exactly. The, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the various stages of Cybertruck acceptance, exactly, sure. and everyone's going through. So I, I was in full acceptance by the end of the night. Just seeing it drive around with that weird laser beam headlight and the whole thing, you know, it was like, I just like, yeah, this is it. I can see it now. It did I know Ryan was super happy about the fact that it's stainless steel because, you know, yeah. he's a DeLorean. He used, he's an ex-DeLorean owner, and he made, uh, I talked to him at length about that, and he was very happy about yeah. that. So. That's pretty cool. Um, so, but yeah, it, it takes longer. Some people fully haven't accepted that. But the person in the room I really want to hear from is Mr. Camacho. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Here we go. So, um, so I watched the event live uh, as you guys were there. I tried to find people I knew on camera. That's one of the things I was working on the entire time. Um, my thoughts on the presentation first, though. I, I it, it seemed like it was not carefully thought out how they wanted to do that um the the tests they did were very clear because there were some video they were later released about you know fronds and backstage going 
you know, smack on the side of the truck, which is probably why the windows ended up breaking. Well, that's exactly why. Mm-hmm. They um, did it in the wrong order. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not a good look for sure. Um, they got a it, lot of publicity out of it, though. Well, yes, even sometimes any publicity, even if it's bad, is sometimes good publicity. But but overall, the presentation, look, compared to other presentations in the past, most recently Model Y, I thought that presentation was horrendous. In general, uh, the AI girl at the very beginning that sort of was an allusion to uh, Blade Runner was sort of cool. Um, and then after that, it just seemed very haphazardly kind of assembled together. Uh, it was the Mr. Potato Head of presentations, if you ask me, from Tesla's end. Uh, but that being said, what really stuck out to me, um, I'm sorry, what really stood out to me from the presentation was the various endurance tests that they did. Um, it's not common you see a sledgehammer taken to the side panel of a vehicle. Uh, it's not often you see drop test done with a heavy metal ball onto a pane of glass. Um, so there, there were some things pretty cool. Um, I found it really annoying that someone in the room was like, shoot it! Because um, they're not going to do that. But um, the specs on the vehicle certainly stand out as well. Um, it, when I first saw it, what it really made me think of was conversations I had both uh, in person and on social media heading up to the event when people said, well, what do you think the truck's going to look like? And I said, no one. And I mean, no one. All the renderings, we can think whatever we want. It's going to come out and people are going to see it. And it's gonna not going to look like anything anyone ever thought of. And when I saw it drive off <laughs> onto the stage, it's like, yep, no one had that. No one called it. Um, every render was incorrect. Every render was And, and Although, that's the thing. Go ahead. Although I will say, remember when we talked about the podcast and Elon was saying it's going to look an armored personnel carrier, and I right. showed you pictures. The front was damn close. To I I that. did everything I, else. Yeah, no. I didn't think it was going to have that angled look to it, um, where everything is just a sharp angle, um, almost like polygon shaped angles. Um, I thought it'd have more of a semi truck front end than it does uh, as we're seeing mm-hmm. it now. Um, for me who who thinks of trucks as a bane on the environment um even though this is an electric truck i also don't like this very much uh, i am not going through the various stages of cyber truck grief as ryan might call it um <laughs> i i quite frankly think this is it, it's a niche thing i know the deposits were 100 dollars. i know a lot of money went into that uh, early on um i know the numbers have eclipsed uh 200,000, uh in early in early days but um yeah I, you know i had a lot more thoughts i sort of been keeping them to myself and i still uh, have other things i would say I, I just in general for me i think this is it's it's an attention grabber uh it's unique it's innovative but i i don't know how well it's going to actually sell deposits are one thing sales are a totally different thing uh there were a lot of folks who had model three deposits who never ended up buying the car for one That's reason true. or another um, not to say that sales, of course, have been great since then, because we know they have been a lot of people that are Model 3 owners never had a deposit on the vehicle. Um, so I don't know how this is going to go. Other things to consider, too, is like, you know, the aftermarket accessories industry is going to really have to come through here. Because are you going to have 100,000 Cybertrucks all looking the same? Because they're not going to no. paint it, you know. Um, so, you know, the DeLorean came out in limited number. Uh, the EV1 had limited numbers. I sort of think this will be the same thing uh for a good period of time. I just, I have, I have no idea how well it's going to sell. I don't like it. Um, but that's not to say that people who are gung ho and, 
and jumping for joy over this. Good for you. I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad there is enthusiasm just as much as there is resentment. Uh, it is, it is a conversation piece to be sure. And I, um, yeah, I, I still have reservations about it, even though I don't have a reservation about it. Yeah. Oh, I, um, <laughs> well, a couple things, you know, because you do make some good points in there. Um, Elon did confirm that they are going to have some sick accessories for it. So there's that. Expensive. Um, we've, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know that there are several companies that are doing, like Tesla Brothers, um, that type of thing, where they're making lots of uh, vinyl kits. So, th- I mean, there's going to be a whole cottage of industry of, of, course. of vinyl kits, pre-cut vinyl kits. I mean, this is going to be one of the simplest cars ever to vinyl wrap because, I mean, it's it's angular, right? There's no compound curves on this thing. So, there's going to be a lot of do-it-yourself kits for that. Um I also want to talk about the fact that it's a $100 deposit. Now, you're absolutely right is how much of this is psychological? Oh, it's, you know, it's 100 bucks. It's kind of throwaway money, right? Throw one down. How many of those actually get converted into cars? I don't know. I did put a reservation down. I was caught up in the moment. I don't know if I'm going to keep it or not. I mm-hmm. will say, though, that Beverly has made has been mentioned many times for us that when we retire, first part of retirement may be doing an RV thing, motorhome, so to speak. The problem I have with the motorhome, I like the idea of a motorhome. The problem is, of course, is you're always dragging around your house. Oh, you know, we got to go into town, get groceries or whatever. Okay, we got to unplug everything. It's not very convenient. Having a camper, on the other hand, oh, by the way, her thing was it has to be electric. So... I thought, you know, so if we get a Cybertruck and then you get a regular camper, it satisfies both things. Yes, you can do it with the Model X, but the Model X is literally twice the cost of the base model. And it's a Fabergé egg, and it doesn't tow all that much, and it ruins your range. Um, yes, oh, by the way, I should mention, though, too, if you're going to be towing anything, at least get the mid-range to the high-end model, because your range is just going to die on this thing. Um, you need a big battery pack for that. And Model Y, we also don't know, you know, long-term the performance of that car. I mean, if it's anything like the Model 3 and you go went, you know, basically gaga your shoes because of the supercharging, um, you know, the Model Y may put out performance numbers for towing packages that, you know, com- compete with the Cybertruck in, in a number of ways. Um, actually, no, 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 no. I think, uh, no, I think not, the not model- the high-end. No, no, no. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like the, the, the souped-up high-end model of the Cybertruck. I'm just saying the entry-level... Uh, well, that's 7,500 pounds, yeah. and the Model Y might come in at 2,000. Mm. It's um, not going to be all that much. I, if I anything, it might end up being like the industry standard, which is about 3,500 pounds. Yeah, right? I'd say 35 to 4,000 is probably We'll see. Not, yeah. but, but, I mean, um, but to be fair, the Cybertruck's going to be towing a, whole, a totally different kind of thing. I mean, we're talking like, you know, commercial industries and, and the like. I mean, you know, the, right. If you're, if you're talking now like a family trip, seriously, the Model Y is going to be just fine for something like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what I'm I saying. will say this. I mean, if I had a choice, if I was buying, if I was considering buying a Model X and the Mo- and the Cybertruck were both available at the, at the same time, I would choose the Cybertruck. Mainly because the interior space, because it's six seats, is the same as what I had, although it was less flexible. I mean, you've got a vault in the back that closes down. Aside from the looks, I think um, it's going to have better tech. I mean, the interior looks just like a Model 3. By the way, I should mention, if anybody's looking at a Model X and they want to know what the Model X refresh is going to look like on the inside, Cybertruck. The the six-seat thing, I also sort of, like, it's great. But you're not going to be sitting six adults in that car for a long no, time. No. Like it's it's no. great that you can. Um, I just don't really see it as anything that's like okay, that's yeah maybe. Um, 
but well, but it I also just has to be the same as the the current pickup trucks, Eric. I think it's they just have to match what the the status quo is. You know, any yeah. full size truck, American trucks that do the same thing. I mean, you're also going to have more comfort in a six seater in that truck just simply because you don't have as many dials, gadgets, controls, you know, everything oh, yeah, else. Yeah, it's, a lot it's, more it, fit. Yeah. Right. You have. I mean, just being electric on its own already makes it uh, roomier uh, from the outset. Um, but like I said, the the specs on the thing when when they first showed the base numbers and they go okay, but here's the mid range and here's the like it's they're very impressive. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking now a 500 mile plus uh, battery pack, uh, and again, that's obviously towing nothing, ideal conditions, yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, it's still we you know we 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 knew we were on the precipice of having a battery pack that can do 500 miles on a single charge. Uh, and we're seeing it now with the Cybertruck. I would be very interested to see um, if whenever they do refresh the battery packs in the larger vehicles of S and X down the road, will we easily see a Model X break 400? Will we easily see a Model S break 500? Um, and I say easily as in like not, you can just drive it, not even have to have like speeds of 46 miles an hour and sunny conditions. And I'm talking like, you just get in the car, and that sucker will do at least 400, even on a bad day. Elon did confirm that they will have larger battery packs on the S and the X next year when they do the Plaid drivetrain. Right. Um, now, I'm going to go on the record here, and I, I, I have a... I don't have inside sources. I don't have information stuff, but I just it's just a gut feeling mm-hmm. that I think that is going to be the big drop as far as s and x is concerned as okay. far as when when people are talking about refreshes i'm talking yeah. about interior the exterior is fine on the cars um i'm talking about the interiors um you know like i said all you have to do is look at what a cyber truck looks like that's what your s and x are going to look like that's the direction tesla's taking doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure mm-hmm. this out i think that is the time to drop the whole shebang you know here's your here's your new battery pack here's your new interior here's your new drivetrain boom that's the time to do it. Yeah, None of this, well, mid, mid-cycle mid refresh. They just did one. It's the Raven. It's a great update. But yeah. there are some other elements that we know are coming. It's the interior that's coming. And the fact also, is that they just showed the Cybertruck with the interior, yeah. the horizontal screen, and the HVAC system for the Model 3. Hello. I also I also don't think when it comes to the exterior, there's much to change. I mean, they, they've almost gotten the... Uh, the ratios, uh, you know, for air resistance and just, I mean, I don't know how they can even perform better numbers in those cars. I mean, sure, drag race numbers, you can always improve. You can, you know, you can, your zero to 60 can always be improved. But like the aerodynamics in those cars are damn near perfect. I mean, I don't know why they would even change the body style at all. Or well, we do know, I mean, they have confirmed that, I mean, Franz confirmed um, on uh, Ryan's podcast when he had him on that they were looking at how did he put it we have to do it in in a capital efficient manner Mm -hmm. i think is i'm paraphrasing here as far as the model s is concerned as far as what they can do to refresh it so you know we've seen the car driving around on the nurburgring track and it has bigger fender flares and it has different fenders on the front so i think that's an indication that they are going to be doing something but they just can't reveal the whole thing all at once i think there are some people that said that uh, one of the cars that was spied around the track and we don't have confirmation of this but was actually sporting the horizontal screen in there but i can't confirm Mm. that so one thing i also i just want to say this before we keep going is with the roadster coming out roadster uh, version 2 with model 3 model y refresh uh for the s with the um the plaid mode 
Model X, the numbers we've seen this quarter after quarter, pales far away yes. the worst performing car in terms of sales numbers. Um, it would not surprise me if other than, as you're saying, maybe one big drop in 2020 other than the New Year's Eve ball, um, that there's one drop of the Model X and like, and they leave it alone for a while. I mean, it, it would not surprise mm -hmm. me if Model Y numbers are through the ceiling uh, in the quarters to come that Model X just seems like an afterthought. I would agree. I mean, Elon pretty much said on the last uh, earnings call that they're still making the S and the X for sentimental reasons. Yeah. It's not the cash cow that it used to be. Mm -hmm. Model 3, Model Y are really going to float the boat as they go. So keeping them on as, you know, you know, listen, I mean, there's there's no doubt there's there's a lot of people that want the Model X because they perceive it as very technologically advanced. I think in some respects it is, in other respects it is not. Um, the Model S is getting a little long in the tooth in some respects. Sure. I mean, yes, they have been upgrading it and they keep upgrading the car, but there are certain aspects. There's just something about the car. And for me, it's really the battery pack and the power electronics in the car. Mm -hmm. That needs a serious update. And there's a lot of stuff they can pull from Model 3 that'll make that car killer. Refresh the interior. I don't have a problem with the exterior. Doing yeah. a couple nips and tucks here and there. I think you're going to have a solid winner. There's still a lot of people that want the bigger car and I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Model Y or Model X is the one that's the outlier. It's just like, man, you got this big Fabergé egg. It costs them a lot of money to make, you know? Um, yeah, that's why I say personally, if I had a choice between Cybertruck and the Model X, I've owned a Model X. I know what it's all about. I would still pick the Cybertruck. Just, so here, so here's, just here, we're, let's just ask this one rhetorical or uh, hypothetical question. Uh, once all the vehicles are in production, semi, roadster, et cetera, et cetera, which vehicle would Tesla stop producing the first one to drop off yep logically i mean if they look at it from a pure number standpoint it's going to be the x because that's going to be I would agree. yeah i would agree you know that's that's the most difficult one to produce and it's the lowest volume one so logically it would be the first to go so i'm i'm going to also throw this out there it is also within the possibility uh that cybertruck may be the first to go they may produce a certain batch, sell a certain number, and say, "You know what? We're good." Uh, and no, and they I'm, may I'm, they may move on to something else. That's that that becomes essentially the roadster of trucks, where it's a, it's a it's a concept vehicle. Yeah. Uh, it's a perfect concept. They get they do some numbers, but they go, "Okay, but we're gonna we're gonna grow upon that." And then the next truck they produce will be the Model S of that class. Well, you know what? In the first 24 hours of the reveal, uh, Eric, I was inclined to agree with you. But what's been shocking to me is how many companies have stepped in and said, yeah, we're ordering 10 of them. Yeah, we're ordering 20 of them. Mm -hmm. And when I went home and crunched the numbers, like there's no there's no doubt to me the, the commercial sales of this thing are going to far outstrip the private sales because mm -hmm. we don't know how many people are going to follow through and commit to it privately. We, I mean, I have huge concerns over whether the traditional truck community is going to glom onto it. Now, I, I'm... I'm I have a little thing I want to say about that in just a moment. That's my biggest disappointment. But I got to say, from a commercial operations standpoint, you'd be insane to buy anything else. I mean, the, the, the abilities this truck has with the onboard compressor, with the onboard power sources, all that stuff, the cost of operations, there's nobody in the bean counting office that's going to look at that and go, no, 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 that's what we're going to get. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and then there's the also, we're also forgetting the thing is going to be such a dramatic attention getter from a marketing standpoint. You know how many companies are just going to like wrap that thing and drive it around and like, look at me. I agree with you 1 million percent on that tesla yeah. literally just dropped the manliest pickup truck yeah. ever whether you like yeah. the looks or not yeah. this thing is just like 
it's wiping the floor in huge amount of attention yeah exactly so so i think yeah i think the commercial uh aspects of it are good enough to make it sustainable um the question the big question is how many traditional truck buyers are you going to get and i gotta say the only thing that really i I love absolutely everything about it but the only thing that bothers me about it is you know traditionally the tesla community the people who are the farthest polar opposite end of the spectrum from us are the truck people right like there there's just we've seen all the hostility from the truck community they just they have very fragile egos well (laughs) And I don't want to generalize with truck people because okay, I work with a bunch of truck people. But change so is hard. I mean, we, we know yes. like when, when yeah. Apple decided to just get yeah. rid of the floppy drive, when you no longer yeah. could get a three and a half inch floppy on a computer, yeah. people are like, what are you doing? That's what we're using. And now right. it's an afterthought, right? So we've seen companies take these leaps of faith to go, okay, we yeah. know what the norms have been for a great length of time. In general, what Tesla did to design an electric vehicle is, by and large, the only company to have ever done it, which is we're going to scrap everything we know about cars. We're going to design from the ground up an entirely new concept of electric vehicle, which ended up becoming the Model S. So we we know this is in their DNA to sort of just go from the drawing board and and, and start anew. Um, But you're right, Ian. It's the traditional truck owners that have to be bought into this in order to really see the success long-term. Because, yeah, you can have commercial orders up the wazoo. The semi is going to have commercial orders. We saw the news of Budweiser and yada, 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 buying all these different semis. But until they're on the road, that's great. You have an order, but until you fulfill it, it's just an order. Um, no different than a reservation is now for a Cybertruck person. So we could, we could certainly have a show just on this uh, conversation alone. But, um, but yeah, that that's an audience that has to buy in, and right now I'm not sure they are. The, the Cybertruck is going to be a viral product it's just going to be one of these products that's so radical tesla's literally the only company that could ever do a design like this and get away with it um you know ford or gm or or uh, or dodge would ever to do anything like this man i mean i mean look at the people i mean look at the mustang owners that are freaking out over the mach-e right now of like just using the name yeah hey, I'm, though, I'm with them i thought that was a bad move Hey, if DeLorean didn't have his own personal issues, who knows what would have come to the DMC. Well, exactly. But. exactly. So, but I think the Cybertruck, when it actually hits the road, and I mean, I've talked to a lot of people over the weekend that are not necessarily into Tesla watching, and everybody had heard about the Cybertruck. I mean, th- that's just how much publicity the thing got. Um, like I said, the looks are polarizing. I understand that. But once you see this thing on the road, and like I said, you know, with Ian mentions, uh, you know, the, the amount of people that are going to be buying with this thing and getting the attention just because of the looks alone, um, I think I think the product is going to do well. Now, I'm not talking Model 3 numbers, you know, four or 500,000 cars a year, but if they carve out, uh, you know, 200,000 cars or a little less, whatever, that's still respectable numbers. I mean, Ford sells a million and a half of these things a year. Is that right? Million, million and a half. Uh, in the U.S., it's around eight to nine hundred thousand. You know, worldwide, so, it's over a million for sure. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, anyways, it'll do well in the North American market. Other markets, we'll have to wait and see. But, um, anyways, um, now Ryan mentioned you on the podcast uh, this past weekend, Ian, because uh, you had talked about the wheels. So, for our listening audience who may not have heard his podcast, um, care to tell us what you have discovered about the Cybertruck's wheels? Yes, tires. well, tires specifically. Tires. Yeah, we, we know nothing about the wheels, which is a source of great frustration. <laughs> except, for except for the fact that they are indeed alloys, and those are just covers. Yeah, well, we, we presume they're alloys. Uh, there's not enough of an image. I just, um, thanks to Well, the to one Kenneth, where Franz yeah. behind the scenes threw the ball at Correct. it, there is a wheel 
that's kind of half covered. But if you actually look at the video behind yeah. him on the floor, yeah. you can see one of them without the cover on there. So exactly. It's so it's, it's some type of an alloy wheel. I don't know if they're bespoke for the project or they just borrowed something else. Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, there's these big plastic covers. And in the case of the clay model, it even had this applique over the tire so that you couldn't read um, the exact model of, of tire that was on there. Nonetheless, I was able to ID it. Um, the exact size is a 35 by 125020. Um, it's a Goodyear uh, off-road tire. And uh, you're looking at in the neighborhood of about $450 US per copy for that particular tire. But it is, it's, it's probably, it, it, I know for a fact, it is uh, Goodyear's most extreme um, particular off-road tire. Um, the exact model escapes me. Give me just a moment and I'll, I'll look that up. I, I pulled the data on it fairly recently. But um, yeah, you're, I, I honestly don't think that that's going to be the production tire because it's noisy. It's going to be really killer on range. I mean, that thing is, is going to murder a lot of range because it's really not a high efficiency tire. This it is a dedicated, it yeah, it's not even an all-terrain tire. It's, it's an MT. It's what we call a mud terrain tire. It is strictly for traction in extreme off-road situations. So I don't see that. I mean, think about it. Who's going to want that? Somebody who either wants the looks that it gives, the mall crawler crowd, as we call them, that like the aggressive look but don't actually go off-road, or the people who genuinely go off-road, you know, go rock crawling through dune, swamp, whatever, you know, real hardcore off-road, you know, trail driving. Yes, that's the tire you would want. I think that's a very small percentage of the owners, though, because what I said earlier, I think a huge number of these initially are going to go to commercial operators. They're going to want some sort of a very efficient on-road on tire. So my guess is you're going to see something probably in that size range, probably a 20-inch wheel with something in an overall diameter of 33 to 35 inches, but expect a much more down-to-earth, sane kind of either very mild all-terrain tire or a more commercial on-road tire um, for the base model. Maybe there's going to be an off-road package, though. I mean, if they're smart, what they'll do is they'll create the performance version of Cybertruck, which would be yeah. off-road, right? You know, And so yeah. it'll have a little bit more kind of aggressive look to it, probably with a more aggressive tire. Well, you have to remember when Tesla showed the Model 3 prototype on stage, it had the 20-inch Sport Pilots, and that's yeah. exactly what the performance car came with. Correct. So, you know, there is probably precedent for them doing something like this, but probably on a bespoke, you know, model or something like that. So, That's, yeah, I think. All right. Well, I don't know. Cybertruck is here. It's real, but it's going to be a couple of years before we see it. Um, there was someone that spied it. I guess Tesla's been driving it around the Fremont or the uh, area, and uh, I don't think he knew what it was because the guy went, what the heck, when he sent this? So I think that's kind of the reaction when, when, when people actually see this thing on the road for the first time who have not either forgotten about it or you know, ha are not aware of this thing when it actually shows up on the road. So it's, it's certainly going to make an impression on people, for I, good I, or bad. I thought for a moment that was fake, you know, like this... Yeah, some I of these simulations too, I wasn't now. too sure. It's so hard to tell with CGI these yeah. days. I mean, Eric was just talking about the guy who put out the app, the AR app, where you can actually put a Cybertruck in your driveway or have it drive down the street. I mean, for all intents and purposes, look at a cursory examination, you think, oh, that's a real truck. But it's amazing what they can do today. So you never know with CGI. But no, that, that, was, that was the real deal. That one went down the street, so... No, no, for sure. All right. Well, um, good talking about Cybertruck. We'll have more to say about it as things go. But I think Tesla's kind of going to go dark on this thing for a little while because they also said 
Um, this will be the last product intro that they do for some time. Not to say that they won't have other events. They have other cars coming up, so you can expect maybe some delivery events like they did for the Model 3. Maybe with the Model Y, I expect to have a little bit more around the semi-truck, maybe on the commercial side of things. Roadster is the other one that we're looking at. So anyways, we'll keep an eye on that stuff, but uh, don't expect any new products from Tesla's per se in the vehicle space. But they did say that in 2020, they're going to have a lot of technology um, announcements, some unexpected stuff. So obviously, uh, the Battery Investor Day is the next one that's going to be coming up early part of the year, probably around February, March, if I was to take a guess, um, where Tesla will talk about what they're planning on doing. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about what they're planning on doing. Obviously, with the, the purchase of Maxwell Technologies last year, or is it earlier this year? Um, I think we're going to be looking at the fabled million-mile battery that's rated, maybe a little extra capacity. Um, so anyways, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, there's going to be some new stuff on there. The other thing that's going around, of course, is Tesla's trying really, really hard to, to ramp up their solar business again. It's been moribund on the side there because a lot of resources went into Model 3 product ramp, but now that things are smoothed out a little bit. So um, yeah, look for more information on that. All right, I think it's time for us to get into viewer or listener questions. The show's going a little bit long, but hey, that's what happens when you don't do a podcast for a while. All right, so I want to say thank you to everybody who submitted questions. We, uh, In case you don't know, we ask for questions to be submitted the day usually of the podcast. Um, make sure you follow me on Twitter. The handle's at Model3Owners, and we put out a Google form that you can fill in so we can answer your questions. So make sure you follow us on Twitter if you want to submit questions. All right, first question comes from Wade. He says, when full self-driving comes out, would it be legislatively possible to have rotating front seats to enable front seat occupants to converse with back seat occupants? Boy, talk about a, opening up a can of worms. Um, I don't know about this. What, what do you guys think? I mean, I have my thoughts, but I want to hear. What you um, I know that a lot of concept vehicles have, have shown exactly. that for, yeah. for, for years. Um, when I was down at uh, Clemson ICAR, which is one of the big uh, automotive engineering um, universities uh, on the east coast of the U.S., back in, oh, God, 2013, there was one of their project cars was um, a cooperative between the students and uh, the GM engineering group. And that's exactly what they were doing is they're looking at future vehicle concepts. And they had this, it was this little bubble car and it had this completely reconfigurable interior. And I mean, you've seen other OEMs do variations on this and that's exactly what it is. It's like, okay, when it's in autonomous mode, you know, it turns into this little rolling lounge where you can have a party or a conference or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. now, how is NHTSA going to deal with that? You know, like if you can prove the crash safety of the seats in all of these various orientations, uh, they might let it fly. I can see a case where really the seats would be fairly easy to design in, in a 180 application. So if the seat's either facing completely forward or completely backward, you'd be okay. But side facing? I don't know. You know, how do you do the crash restraint for someone, you know, who exactly. basically... But but there's there's precedent for that. I mean, we've seen a lot of trucks, remember, that had those little flop-down seats in the back of, of the short, you know, extended bed cabs where it was a sideways position. Jump now, seats. I think, jump seats, exactly. Now, uh, maybe they'll start making exceptions. But, yeah, it, the crash test thing is, is the hang-up for me. The crash test thing. And like I said, FSD, I'm sorry, it's still a ways away. This is a very tough nut to crack. Um, in the upcoming podcast, we will talk about the... Um, the uh, PBS Nova called, uh, who's uh, what was it called? Who's Driving? Look Who's, Look driving. who's driving. Look Who's Driving. 
Um, I like if my you notes. guys want to get familiar with it, we'll talk about it on a future podcast. We mentioned do it a couple. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. But anyways, take a look at that. We'll we'll be talking about that. But I think um, yeah, the the whole FSD thing is going to be a while. I mean, Tesla's supposed to be feature complete by the end of this year. Well, we're getting to the end of that, and I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, it's one thing to be feature complete. It's another thing to be legislated to be allowed to use it and then full deployment and then full autonomy. This level four, level five is a lot harder than people think um, to get to. So baby steps, timing is one thing, safety is another. All right, next question comes from Kenneth. He says, uh, do you see recovery books, uh, recovery hooks on the Cybertruck? Also, it's interesting that Jack Rickard said about the Cybertruck not needing wipers or the option to use a magnetic wiper idea from the Tesla patent. Um, yes, he makes some good points in there. Um, I do believe, and I don't remember 100%. I have to take a look at some of the pictures here. Let me just bring one of them up here. I'm assuming he's talking about the recovery hooks, the ones that are in the front of the truck to be able to pull mm -hmm. it out of a... Is that Correct. what he's talking about? Yeah. And I'm just looking at a picture here. I have it up in front of me. I know you guys can't see it here, but I'm going to try and zoom in here a bit. It looks like it does have them, but they might be just kind of buried a little bit in the bodywork. Um, they may be like some of the other cars where you have to screw them in. Anyways, remember, this thing's a prototype. It's not 100% final. Um, you know, the devil's in the details as they speak. So, you know, uh, from all intents and purposes, from what we understood from, I think, what was it, Motor Trend that had a sneak peek of this thing back in September? And yes. it wasn't even built yet. I mean, they just had a rolling chassis at that point. Yep. So this thing was put together fairly quickly. So... Anyways, look at the pictures. You get a general idea of what it will be, but it'll always be better at the final. So I think these types of things that you're asking about is definitely something that will make it to the truck in its final form. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Now, as far as the wipers are concerned, yes, it's one of the things that people had asked. Uh, remember the Roadster prototype that they put out that was drivable didn't have wipers either. And Tesla did have a patent that was awarded to them back in March of this year showing an electromagnetic system. So... And there was some conjecture, of course, later on when that came out that they would do that on a Roadster. I think it points in the right direction that Tesla may want to do something like that. They were just awarded another patent recently where they can use lasers to zap bugs off the windshield. So, not lasers. The fact that they have freaking lasers. Freaking lasers. Yes, yes exactly. Um, so, you know, the fact that they have patents for this shows that they're interested in looking at different avenues, which one they choose, if they so choose, we don't know. The truck will have some kind of wiper system. It's just, you have to. What the end up result? I think the electric man thing actually shows a lot of promise. I think it's feasible to do. But again, once we see the final product, we'll know at that point. I mean, they did have one of the roadsters that was on display that had the big wiper from the semi-truck. But it looks so terrible. I don't, I cannot see Tesla actually doing that on the roadster. It just looks so bad. Um, anyways, we'll see. But thank you for submitting that question, Ken. Um, let's see here. Oh, Ken submitted a second question. So let's read this one. Ah, uh, this is a question for Ian. He says, Ian, thanks for being a Cybertruck measuring stick. Yes, wonderful. Put that on my resume. If you haven't seen the picture, it was the picture I took of Ian in front of the Cybertruck doing this. He's measuring it out. Ian for scale. Anyways, um, did people have a difficult time climbing into the vehicle asking for a height challenge friend or hitting their heads on the rear door opening? So you can answer this question for both of us. Um, I don't know because I didn't get to get into the truck. <laughs> exactly. Me, me neither. <laughs> that was so, it was my only real You want to hear something funny? Neither what? did I. 
So we're, <laughs> there we go. Something we all have in common about the Cybertruck. Uh, unfortunately, just so people are not aware that even though we stayed, we stood in line for the better part of three hours to get into the truck. Closer to four. And they did, a, well, closer to four. And they had a hard shutdown at 1 a.m. And there were mm-hmm. still, you know, dozens of people in line. Um, and they would not let us in. But we did get good pictures. We got a good look inside the truck. I mean, we were watching it come and go. Uh, my understanding, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to take over the conversation here, but my understanding is that the interior of this thing has lots of headroom. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's going to be any issues with people getting in out of this truck. I doubt it. Your observations? Yeah, I, I think it's fine. I mean, just looking at this from the scale of the picture, you get a good sense those door openings are fairly large. It's a little counterintuitive because you see that sloping rear you know, uh, roof line, and you tend to think there's a lot of cars like that where you sort of have to duck your head. Even the Model 3, you sort of have to watch your head as you're going in the rear. I don't think it's a problem, though, because they're just so tall to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for submitting two questions, Ken. Uh, next one comes from Tar, and he says, Ian, oh, here's another one. Ian, what do you see as the ideal tire size for the Cybertruck? Is the load rating expected to match any stock? He puts that in quotes, truck tires, or will this be an expensive tire to replace? Well, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but any other yeah. things you want to add in? Well, I can definitely confirm that those Goodyear MTRs that were, uh, and I just looked it up, it is the, the Goodyear MTR that was on there, uh, are a little on the pricey side. Um, they're, they're right in the right range for that type of, a, you know, a 35-inch serious off-road tire, but I don't expect that to be the standard production tire. Um, it, it, it'll probably be something in that size range just to be the scale of the vehicle and so on, and you can be assured that it's going to have to have something in the correct load rating for that range because obviously it's it's at the very high end of the capacity of what we consider the half ton pickup class it really sort of goes a little bit into the the 250 or 2500 the the three quarter ton class so it's going to have a tire that's comparable to those vehicles so it'll it'll definitely be an lt tire of some type which is a more robust construction usually a load range d or a load range e but i mean there's tons and tons and tons of choices at all sorts of different price points so i don't think it don't expect anything exotic the only thing i will sort of put out there is i would not be surprised if some of the um tire companies right now are working on a dedicated uh cyber truck tire that combines some of the you know cargo carrying elements or off-road capabilities of conventional truck tires but with a really high emphasis on efficiency you know like some of these specially tuned tires we've seen already for passenger car evs that are out there you know these very low rolling resistant car tires you're going to start to see i think some of these specific designs for truck like that so i'll be very curious to see what they do mm-hmm. all right next question comes from paul he says can the cyber truck plow lots of chatter about pulling but not pushing why not you want to stand in front of it because i don't <laughs> <laughs> we can't answer the question 100 percent, but i would suspect that um somebody clever will have something Oh yeah, I, I got to think it's it's an excellent candidate for plowing. I mean, oh, yeah. why not? Why not? Yeah. It's going to be heavy enough. Time will tell. Thanks for submitting, Paul. Um, next ca- uh, next question comes from Morris. He says, or Maurice, sorry if I butchered that. Um, he says, blind spot monitoring tragically missing from all Teslas is unexplainable for me personally. What do you guys? How do you guys feel about it? I don't agree with that. My car has blind spot monitoring. I can't change lanes if there's a car in the other lane. No, I exactly. think he's talking about an early Model S's. Early Model S's didn't. No, that's. No. I mean, that, that only came into Model Three. We were six months, a year into production before we it's got It's a software blind spot. thing. Yeah, they, yeah. they they did it through software, through yeah. the sensors and the autopilot cameras. I wonder <laughs> if he's thinking of it as a feature, like in some cars where it's in your rear mirror. 
yeah, any painters. No, I, get that. I mean, look, I've had people complain about this. You're like, when's Tesla going to put it in the mirrors? I'm like, folks, there's a large computer screen on your car. You don't need to have some tiny little window tell you what's going on. Um, look, the, this is a very advanced optical computer system. Um, you know, we when we get to the conversation about uh, LiDAR and other different solutions in the uh, Luku's driving conversation coming up uh, from that PBS Nova episode, you know, there's obviously a lot of different solutions. And, you know, we, we've talked about sort of in a tongue-in-cheek way, like how great it'd be if all of a sudden Tesla comes out with a car that has no side rearview mirrors. Um, what is the purpose of actually putting in a technology solution into a thing that you hope long-term doesn't exist? You know, I imagine the error that the, just the drag coefficient dropping even further because you don't have side mirrors anymore. Um, so I think, I think Tesla's approach is this right now, Maurice, maybe you're talking about something entirely different and we're not on the right track for that. We apologize. Yeah, um, but if, if, if I, I suspect it is something more visual where you normally would look as a driver, but if you have a Tesla, you sort of just adapt to a different way of driving anyway. Um, but if that's not your cup of tea, that's okay. Uh, it's not for everyone, but I, I think that's, I think that's what we're talking about here is the mirrors indicating, uh, cars in your view. Okay. Uh, next question comes from our friend Jason. He says, in your opinion, what's the best way to get our hands on the all-weather protection kit consisting of the mud flaps? Okay. Um, just so everybody knows, um, Tesla Canada, Canada huh? um, is offering Model 3 owners outside, not including BC for some reason. I don't know why. Um, a free mud flap kit. Um Ooh. They are prioritizing current deliveries. So retroactively, if you have a car and you want them, call them, put yourself on the list with the, with the service center, um, request them. And as they become available for outside of... Uh, they told me that they're um, uh, securing uh, parts availability and as they come in. But again, the priority is to give them to people who are just getting deliveries of the car because we're going into the winter months. If you're really desperate for them and you really, really want them, I mean, you can buy them online fairly cheap. I bought a set for my car for 35 bucks. I don't think they're that much different. Matter of fact, I, I have seen pictures of them. Unfortunately, I don't have them here in front of me. The ones that Tesla supplies, apparently it's two different sizes, but I saw the small ones. They don't offer that much protection. Hmm. So 35 bucks, pretty cheap insurance. Uh, I have them in my car. They don't look any, they don't look terrible. Um, I think some of this came about because there have been some people, I think in Quebec, for example, almost starting a class action lawsuit because a lot of people had some problems. I think in the Netherlands did too, or was it Norway? I forget. Um, where they put a lot of gravel on the roads and a lot of crap, and it was eating away at some of the paint on the front part of the rocker panels. Um, so anyways, this is kind of a, a way to get around some of those issues. Not to say that the, that it's, it's not right for Tesla to not fix those cars. That's a different situation altogether. I have paint protection film on my car. I spent the money to protect it because... That's just something I wanted to do, and I put the mud flaps on, so I'm kind of double protected that way. So, anyways, I think 35 bucks or whatever the price may be is a pretty cheap insurance thing if you're desperate. But Tesla will offer them for you for free if you ask them. But right now, just so you know, um, you have to get on the list, as far as I understand. Right now, they're they're prioritizing for uh, people. So again, just for Canada, they're not offering it in the U.S. or anywhere else at this point. So. All right, next question comes from Tim. He says, read on a Tesla forum, I hope it's ours, <laughs> um, that a Model 3 owner was told by a service tech 
um, that the Model 3 will require a super a, a service center visit to upgrade the computer to hardware 3 because the computer is liquid-cooled, unlike S and X. Is this really liquid-cooled? Tim, I can answer this question for you 100% definitively. Um, first of all, I suspected that the Model 3 computer, autopilot computer, hardware 3, is liquid-cooled, and it is indeed the case. I talked to a service technician friend of mine, and yes, the Model 3 specifically will need to be brought into a service center to be changed because it is liquid-cooled. Um, the computer is located below the super bottle, so there's some burping of air once they replace the lines. Anyways, um, the actual changeover doesn't take that long. Um, however, the part that takes the longest is the software update that they have to do. That can take an upwards of two hours to do. It's about two hours overall. Um, right now, the only cars that Tesla's upgrading to hardware 3 is S and X. It's easier to do on those cars, um, but those are the priorities right now is S and X. So eventually when Model 3 gets upgraded, um, if you paid for FSD and that's something you want, you will be contacted. But right now, don't bother Tesla. They'll call you when they're ready. They're not doing 3s yet. So it is definitely liquid-cooled. And that's different because of the way that Tesla does waste heat scavenging. So they circulate a lot of the glycol through the power electronics, through the motors, through the battery. And that's how they can get away without a battery heater in the Model 3 compared to the S and X. It's more efficient, but it's it takes longer to heat the battery coolant because mm -hmm. of that, 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 uh, that methodology. Anyways, that's something for, for us to talk about later on. Um, um, yeah, so there's some pretty cool stuff that Tesla's doing there. All right, next question comes from Renee. With uh, Tesla's now passing 100,000 kilometers, well, we only know of one right now. Uh, can you list out a million? A million kilometers, yes. Sorry about that. Um, can you list out what major maintenance costs are expected in that time frame? Well, at this point, I would say that uh, early Model S's, again, if it wasn't a battery pack, you probably had uh, one or more uh, drive motors replaced. Um, door handles on a Model S are notoriously bad for um, failing. Um, other than that, not too much more than that. Um, MCU one computers have a fatal flaw in them with one of the, with a memory chips. Uh, Tesla likes to log a lot of information and too many writes to the chips can, can actually brick those eventually. So there's a lot of issues with that. Um, some cars have suffered from the yellowing screen, although those don't tend to get replaced anymore. They have a UV filter fix for that now. So, um, with a million kilometers, I would suspect somebody probably had to do the brakes once, at least, on yeah. that. Um, probably a suspension, that, too, I would think. Yeah, I mean... Ball joints, or, tie rod ends, shocks. You know, earlier this year, we had a friend uh, in the Tesla Owners Club of Ontario had to have his whole rack uh, pinion steering rack replaced because earlier, 2012-2013 uh, Model S's used aluminum bolts for the drive um, motor on the, the pinion and those would just get corroded and they fell off so they since did a recall and they changed all the bolts over to steel so they don't have that problem anymore so little things like that i mean again you have to remember the model s was designed to work not to be mass manufactured so tesla's done a lot of improvements on the model s since then but the earlier cars um, they certainly have their share of problems and stuff so Current cars, I would suspect probably not as much than the earlier ones. So I don't know if he's asking if he's looking at buying one or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know many Model 3s have crossed, crossed the million kilometers yet, but certainly some Model S's are coming up. And All right. Let's let's just mention that they claim uh, from the lab test that the, the drivetrain itself is good for a million miles, not kilometers, miles. That, on, yes, on Model that, 3. 
Well, it, it, see, that, that came about because of the semi-truck. They wanted to make sure that those cars were rated, which is yeah. why the semi-truck's taking a little longer. Tesla's doing the right thing by testing those things. Not like, we're going to draw and put a production two and a half years type of thing. They need to make sure that that truck is 100% what they're going to deliver because those trucking companies and those companies buying those things are not going to be as forgiving as the general public. So, And if they're using the Model 3 drivetrains for that, it's just, you know, they, they've shown a Model 3 through testing. Um, doing a million uh, a million miles on the drivetrain on the actual motor itself so um, anyways uh, let's see here moving along uh, David Ross asks if there's a way to figure out when an owner will get a hardware 3 upgrade again it goes back to what we were talking earlier um, when Tesla's ready to do upgrades on Model 3 you will be contacted right now again they're only doing S's and X but uh, thank you for submitting that David all right um, another question about the snowplow. We already answered that. Um, let's see here. Carl asks, has anyone done a comparison study to cost to charge at a Tesla superchargers versus, uh, versus Electrify America? It appears to me that Tesla has the advantage on both rates and speeds. Um, I think yes and no on both cases. Electrify America right now, uh, if you look at the charging costs, they're very expensive, uh, compared to what Tesla's doing. Um, as far as the charging rates is concerned, Electri uh, Electrify America, Electrify Canada claim up to 200, uh, 350 kilowatt. But I don't know of any cars other than maybe the, the Taken, Taycan, sorry about that, sorry, um, that can even achieve that. Originally, it was supposed to be 800 volts, but that hasn't happened yet. So they may have the upper hand in terms of that. But right now, because there's no cars that can take advantage of it, it's just like, what's the point? Besides, it's, it's, it's just expensive. Again, you have to remember that is part of Volkswagen's commitment as part of their Dieselgate scandal to actually build these things. So they're trying to make money at this point. So again, some of it also comes down to demand chargers. Tesla's covering the demand chargers, maybe at a loss. I don't know by Electrify America, but yeah, they're not cheap. I've looked at them and they're certainly not cheap to use. But uh, again, in North America, can't use them anyways because uh, they have Chatamo and CCS. And the only high rate ones are CCS. And we can't even use that on any Teslas in North America. So you're limited to Chatamo. You're limited to Chatamo. Tesla's Chatamo adapter is limited at uh, 50 kilowatts. That's the end of that game. So, now, Trev, you, you've gone and skipped one here, I noticed. Some gentleman by the name of Earl of Anonymous uh, writes in and <laughs> We know says, who that is. Come Will on. Will Cybertruck frunk puppies be superior to all other frunk puppies? That's our friend Earl. Of course it is. And I, I think you, you have to create a whole new class for them. They would, would they not become cyber puppies? Cyberfunk puppies? Cyberfunk Maybe. puppies. Or just cyber Earl, puppies. you kill us. The uh, the answer to that question, Ian, I dispute is no. Okay. They will not be superior to all other funk puppies, as okay. funk puppies ha are in a democracy, not a monarchy. So they will be okay. equal to all other funk puppies. Because dare you ever take away... I thought they were an autonomous collective. <laughs> I was just going to say... <laughs> I'm 37. I'm not old. <laughs> you were born on a Tuesday. It wasn't yeah. this past Tuesday. Yeah. Woman, man, sorry. Who lives in that castle? <laughs> I'm 37. What? I'm 37. I'm not old. All right. There's a whole discussion there about Monty Python going down. No, all right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next question comes from Raphael, our good friend Raphael. It says, how many engineers does it take to create a vehicle that is difficult to look at for the first 10 seconds, <laughs> but looks rather better every second thereafter without recurring to, <laughs> recurring to alcohol <laughs> and that can turn an entire market on its health or is it or doesn't it flop oh god right 
Oh, God, you kill me. Raphael, I had him on my, um, if you watch my video, um, the Cybertruck event, um, Raphael. Um, That's Latino. That's Latino, yes. Make sure you follow him. Um, yeah, he was, feeling, he was feeling no pain that evening, and I interviewed <laughs> him, and he says, <laughs> I asked him about the Cybertruck. He says, I love it, and I hate it at the same time. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good video. You could you out. could punch that man in the face and he wouldn't have felt the thing. <laughs> he would not. Have. He he would wake up the next day going, yeah. why, "Why does my I, cheek yeah. hurt?" Yeah. I talked to him the very next day when we went for lunch, and I said, "How are you feeling today?" He says, "Oh man, I'm really hungover." Yeah. <laughs> oh. he, he enjoyed himself. Yes, he did very much so. Um, all in fun, Raphael. We love you, man. We do. We will see you. We'll see you in January. All right, uh, two more questions. Next one comes from Carlo. He says, the new dual motor long range gets 322 miles of estimated range. My long range rear wheel drive has not passed 310 on a full charge. Uh, about when will we see this? Uh, about when will we see this change? Thank you. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of people have been asking about this rated range thing. We do know that Tesla made a software change recently that seems to change the algorithm somewhat as far as rated range is concerned. Um, I don't know. Range is not something that I hang my hat on because every person is different. How they, how they drive is different. Conditions change. The temperatures change. Um, literally with my car, I, wear, I worry this much about the range because I have mine set on percentage. Mm-hmm. So I drive. I drive, I drive, I drive. When it hits about 20%, the car goes into the yellow. Then I start thinking, well, maybe it's time to charge. Otherwise, I don't worry about the range. I have a long-range performance Model 3, and it's rated at 499 kilometers, whatever that is, 310 miles or 325. I forget, whatever okay. the miles are. 310, mm-hmm. I think it is. 310. But, but I don't. Th- I don't literally think about it, so... So, I don't know. I, under, I understand a lot of people want to know exactly what they paid for. I get that. Um, but if you have range anxiety, man, switch it to percentage. It so helps. every day is a school day, right? We're about to go to school <laughs> in Mr. C's class. Okay. So I am one of those folks who um, took delivery of his Model 3 in uh, the spring of 2018. And I ordered a car that at the time had an EPA estimated range. And I'm, let me rephrase that an EPA estimated range of estimated 310 keywords. miles. There have been changes, AKA software updates that since then have twiddled with that number in one way or another. There was a software update not long ago uh, before V10 came out where people were saying, whoa, my car now has 320 miles of range. It's 315 and it eclipsed 310. And others were like, wait, I don't have that. And I was one of those. I didn't have that uh, uh, fortuitous extra few miles. There's been a recent software update. uh, For those that do not know, there's been a recent software update that Tesla has deployed to all major vehicles, SX and 3, that takes the for battery purposes because of the fires and the other, but basically for added security, takes that top number on every Tesla and drops it down a little bit. So in lieu of that, yes, your vehicle is not going to get 310, but as Trevor just pointed out, no one, and I mean no one in the history of driving cars, whether it's gas or electric or hybrid, 
is like, how many uh, gallons of gas does this car hold? Okay, and how many amount? Okay. All right, I'm going to drive this till it's empty. It doesn't matter what the range is. Your car is not going to go from 310 to 180, okay? Um, I know this sounds disingenuous, but the reality is, like, it's the number, even if it's slightly down, if it's 1% less than when you first got the car, it's okay. Um, because, because again, there's, there's now safety measures built into place that's going to lower that number a bit. Um, I am someone who was very meticulous about the mileage number when I first got my car and I was like, all right, I want to see how I'm driving. How about numbers dropping down? I know this trip is 19 miles. Am I getting 19 miles of range in the drive? Am I getting 25? Am I getting less than 19? Um, and I was just sort of always tracking that number to see if I could adapt my driving so I can also improve my, um, uh, kilowatts driven and all that stuff. And you know what? Now I just set it to percentage and I don't even bother. It's not that big a deal. Um, when you have it at percentage, you don't tend to focus so much on what the top number is. Because if I say charge to 85%, charge to 90%, the car is going to do that. What that percentage converts to in terms of mileage, well, just like we say on social media, YMMV, your mileage may vary. Um, driving conditions, weather conditions, tire pressure, Ian knows everything about wheels. I mean, that's, that's certainly a factor in how your car performs. Those numbers will always fluctuate. So don't worry about the top figure so much because the key that even just Trevor pointed out, it is estimated range. Those numbers will always change when it comes to software. No one buys an iPhone and says, whoa, my phone's supposed to have eight hours of talk time. And if you get 756, you don't complain to Apple. Why we're doing with our cars is just baffling to me. That's It's always going to change. Here's the, here's the problem. The problem is, is that Tesla ships all the cars switch to miles on the battery meter sure. rather than percentage. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the default Tesla, should be the other way around. It, it should be the other way around because you don't buy a gas car and the gas meter doesn't show you miles of range on it. It shows you full, half, and empty. Well, modern yeah, cars yeah. have a computer. Modern cars have a computer and you can go in and look at an estimate, yeah, but what's in front of you is full, empty, and and, and half, That's right? The so the battery meter is exactly the same way. The way I drive my car is I have it in percentage, and the only thing I will check on a trip is I push the card over and I check my watt hours per kilometer. The lower means I'm driving more efficiently. If, right. I'm, driving, if I'm driving too fast or I have the heat too high and that number is going to be high, I know to back off a little bit because it's going to reduce my range. The other thing that I do is I rely on the trip computer. I always put in an address if I'm going on a long distance, and I go to the energy meter and I click the trip tab and I watch that line. And it will show you an estimate in green and what your actual is, or sorry, your estimate's in gray. Your your real time usage is in green. The green's the one that matters. That's the one I watch. That's how and, I drive my car. How and, you drive your car might be a little different, but that's the way I do it. And that's a perfect segue actually into the next question for Dom. Is absolutely, asks, yes. Do I rely on projected range or the battery range? And no, absolutely. If, if you are wanting to go a long distance on a long trip and you want to know really what's going on, for sure, ignore whatever is on the battery meter. Go straight to that uh, trip tab mm-hmm. where you have the uh, projected range of what you're going to get, and that that varies in real time with the road conditions. You know, if there's yes. there's if there's elevation changes now, that's all calculated into it. If you're driving faster, it will recalculate in real time. That thing is dead dead on accurate. Especially I love that. Especially rely on it in the winter months yes. because you will get some range loss because of cold and yep. you know tires and wet conditions and so on and so forth. Um, like I said, I just went on a long trip this weekend and I relied on that. And even though I came in with lots of range,
change and stuff, it's nice to look at it and get an estimate. Do I need to slow down? Can I make the supercharger for the next 100 kilometers? I can stomp out a little faster. It's a great way of determining how you're actually, what your driving conditions are like. Yep. Now, we, I mean, we're a relatively flat country. We don't have mountains to contend with. But thing is, if you're going up a mountain, you're going to use a lot of energy. But if you come down the other side, you're going to regain some of it because of regenerative. Lots of people, we've heard lots of stories about people going up the mountain and it's a little dicey and they come back down and gain 20%. So... Uh, you know, but yeah, that's the thing. Always use that trip computer. It's, it's, it's really, really accurate. It's yep. way more accurate now than it used to be. When I first got my car, it was always off, but now it's deadly accurate. So that's the end of the questions. My goodness, we got through this. This is turning out to be a long show, but that's okay. We like to do one of these once in a while. I apologize. And we appreciate all of you following along and listening to us. I know your time is valuable, but we certainly appreciate it. I want to say thank you for everybody who submitted your questions. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. But before we do that, I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys want to plug? Eric, you go first. Twitter, ECFX. Bye. <laughs> well, there you go. How about you, Ian? What's new in your camp and how can people get a hold of you? Well, um, obviously, uh, at Ian Pavelko uh, on Twitter, the Mad Hungarian handle, but the address is at Ian Pavelko. Uh, Tesla Owners Online, you can find me under the handle Mad Hungarian. And of course, if you're looking in uh, for the latest in um, Tesla Evolveware, you can go to teespring.com and look up Mad Hungarian's Evolveware store. And you can uh, get yourself a uh, Evolve shirt or a Weapons of Mass Adoption shirt, whatever you like. Awesome. Well, that leaves me. You can follow me on Twitter. The handle's Model 3 Owners. Check out the forum at teslaownersonline.com. Hey, I might as well perch, push some merch, too. If you go to our site and click on Merch, it'll take you to our Teespring site. We have lots of shirts on there. And uh, there's still time for you to order something and get it in time for the holidays. The cutoff date is December 11th. And if you use the code LASTCHANCE, you get 10% off on anything in the store. So treat your honey or your Tesla lover or friend or family or foe or whatever to a nice shirt. Or us. Get him a nice Cybertruck shirt and really rub it in. <laughs> All right, that's it for us tonight. And thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one. Good night, guys. See ya. Bye. Bonsoir. See you later. <laughs>